1: Welcome to On The Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On The Page. Joining me today, and I've got like this huge smile on my face, is matt harris am
0: i kissing the mic
1: you are kissing the mic hi pilar hi thanks for having me well you're you're welcome yeah this is Uh, fun oh my god oh my god i'm so excited okay all right
0: what episode number is this by the way
1: this is 633 i think 32 Yes, which and and it, the reason Matt is asking this is because Matt was on episode two, two, and also episode three hundred. That's right, last yeah, time, and, so that's
0: right. and then this. Now, I should go back and listen to that three hundred because we were going to talk a oh, lot about
1: the same stuff. Oh yes, 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 but in a completely different yeah. way. All right, so so let me try and give a, a, a rundown. Um, Matt Harris is the writer of. A movie that just finished production. That's right. Called *The Starling*, and that movie stars Melissa McCarthy, Kevin Kline, Chris O'Dowd, and my boyfriend Timothy Oliphant. You're kind of
0: Timothy Oliphant, aren't you? There it? you go. Yeah.
1: There, look. Someday we'll meet.
0: Yes. And he will. He's even better looking in person. I never really noticed until I met him, and I was like, "Now I get it." He he's tall too. By the way, he's everything.
1: He's everything. Handsome. All of my other boyfriends: um, uh, Denzel Washington, George Clooney. I'm sorry, they have to go and be changed out. Can I tell you one thing about him?
0: He moves cool. He moves cool. Don't tell me this. No, I was watching him on set. Right when (laughs) he was like not actually in the scene, but he was just kind of hanging out. The guy moves with like every one of his gestures seems to be calculated and smooth and he's just a cool guy.
1: He's he's cool. Yeah. Ah oh, God. Anyway, it's not about this. That's it's not about this. It's about your movie. That's right. It's about your movie. Okay. All right. For some people, you might go, Matt Harris, the starling, that sounds familiar. For some people who've been listening since forever. Yeah. On episode two, Matt Harris came on, it was it was two thousand and seven. The the script the Starling had been written in group five right. years earlier in two thousand and two, right. right. and I proclaimed Matt my favorite writer at the time. Yes, You're the still time. holding with that. I just want to let I you up know there? you got it. You got to prove okay. like with the next one. But yes, right. still my favorite writer, and this was one of my favorite projects. Yeah. And we talked about it. Then comes episode 300. I don't know how many more years that is from 2007 God. to episode 300. You right. got it what is that 6 years? Like probably. okay. Yeah. So at that point and Matt's going to tell you all the, the things that it went through. But yes, you probably heard about it because at that point Matt was like so sick of the whole thing. He was like, "Hey, Pilar, would you produce it?" And I'm like, "I can't produce." He's like, "Yeah, you do it. You could do it." Yeah. And yeah, like for 5 minutes there we had an idea. I was going to produce it and and That's thank not God that funny. thank God I didn't. No, no, no. But still, no,
0: I, I would have been down. No,
1: yeah. no, because I don't know anything about producing. And what I learned was it's all about money. And that's a problem because I don't know anything about money. So I was like, oh, thank God. When I got to, like, not produce it, I was so happy. So, yes, if anybody asked, like, what happened to that thing at the episode 300 you were going yeah. to produce? Well, guess what? It was just produced, thank God, not by me. Yeah. Um, and became not. this thing. 17 years from writing yeah. it in 2002 right. to now this, oh, and we didn't even say who it was directed by. Ted Melfi. Ted Melfi, it's who did St. Vincent, yep. who did Hidden Figures. Yep. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, no, the guy is, he's, we can talk about that too, but I learned quite a bit by being on his set. Well,
1: yeah. let, first we have to we have to say to people all over again if you've yeah. heard this story, you haven't heard how it eventually got to production. Right. So we're going to like race you through uh 15 years of it and okay. then get you to what it's Jeez, yeah. it is so
0: weird how it, it took so long and then when we get to the point where we're talking about how it finally got made, it's head spinning how quickly it happened. It was overnight. It was overnight. It was literally, I was on a freeway. I got a phone call. By the time I got to my destination, a meeting had been set. Uh, y- you, you know what? You tell me, the, you tell you know me how you want to go No, there. no, no. I okay. can go. Tell,
1: tell everybody about that particular thing. Like, okay. Tell them about the actual final, we are actually we are making this thing. Okay. Because there was uh, a very interesting... Uh, uh, rule that was set that you know that Ted Melfi said I will make this and I will make it right away if you do what
0: if you could get Melissa McCarthy no, first and foremost but
1: what about the gender reversal Well, but
0: that was okay now we'll I'll give you more about that okay I'll give you more about that, okay. 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 More about that. Okay. Um, so you want to just go back a little bit yeah 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 okay you tell the story so you're a great tell- storyteller the script teller. had been optioned right okay. as you know yes it had been an option many times which if you you know to be honest with you, this movie's actually made me a little bit of money without it, ever getting made. It really has. It has, it over got the years.
1: Option what, 10 years in a row? Yeah,
0: there was like a couple, you know, I don't, should I go into specifics? I mean, I don't want to like, it's not bragging, but I'm just saying, no, like tell over everybody time, this story. like it's there was crazy. like, there was a $25,000 option when it first got optioned. And then I think it was, subsequent to that, it was like, um... After 18 months, it was $10,000 options for every six months against the total purchase <laughs> price of the film for a little while.
1: Oh, my God. Then
0: it fell out of option again. Remember, that was when you and I were talking you yeah, know, years like, ago because it, it, like, it was available. Right. And then it got reoptioned again, mm-hmm. and it was getting those six-month sort of re-ups. And so bringing us to 2018, it had been optioned until september of 2018 and then so i i was waiting i was hoping you know because i would get a little wire transfer notification that they've transferred ten thousand dollars and you've got you know the option's been renewed but it didn't come so there's a little bit of freedom in that too which lets you know good because i don't want to shit on anybody who had the option but you're kind of like they're not really doing anything with it, mm. you know? I didn't feel like it. It wasn't... There was no momentum. I'd heard some plans. I've heard those so many times. Ideas. We want to give it to so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so. and big picture, too, you got to understand, Pilar, is there's been so much coverage of this script over time. The the town knows this script. I don't mean to sound like, hey, look, I'm well-known in the town, but it's true. The agencies have covered this script. They've sent it to talent. They've sent it to directors. It's been... Around, you know? It, it
1: won the blacklist in 2003. Oh, yeah. yeah the when the blacklist was new, right? When it, was, it had only been around for like a couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think so. It was early days, so much so that I didn't know about that until 2005. <laughs> and I was working with a guy, and he goes, Hey man, did you know your script is on the blacklist? I'm like, And I thought it meant bad things, because I only know one thing about the blacklist, right? <laughs> That's writers who can't get work. So anyway, the script wasn't picked up back in September of 2018. And, um, the producer who had the, the option reached out to me in February and I thought, oh, okay, so he's going to do it again. Um, we talked about it and it was kind of like, I could understand where he didn't feel the necessary, you know, there wasn't a, like a, a lot of pressure to (laughs) re-option this thing because it wasn't like anybody's beating down his door to do it. So anyway, um, nothing happened. He said it was going to. It didn't happen. Can I reverse a little bit more? 2017, sure. The script was about to be made. All right? Oh, it had, yes. It had a director. It had talent. It had a producer. Can, we, of,
1: can we say who the talent was? I mean, it oh, was, sure. it was it in was, all the trades.
0: Yeah, it was. It was Keanu Reeves and Isla Fisher, and it was a, um, a director named Domi Kurakowski from Finland who had had quite a bit of success in Finland, and this was going to be his first American-made film, and uh, so he was really looking to make his mark.
1: And it was Keanu Reeves who who, re, who rediscovered it at, at that point, point. Yeah, he really wanted really to play wanted it. He really
0: wanted to do it. He mm-hmm. turned down, I know for a fact, he turned down a very lucrative project to do it, so I feel like really indebted to him, you know, that he was willing, he got behind this, and There was some uncertainty, you know, right, because we haven't seen him in that role before. But then once um, the director met with him and talked to him, you know, uh, he really saw him and he saw why he wanted to do this movie. And so I was like, it's going to get made. Let's go. You know, and they were shooting. They were actually scouting locations in upstate New York. They had done some tests with CGI for the bird. Because in the script, there's a bird who doesn't need to act, but it needs to be in certain places at certain times and to attack and some other things. But anyway, um, as they were shooting, or excuse me, as they were uh, scouting locations back in New York, and the director was back there as well, trying to tie up some last-second talent. They had sent me pictures of the towns that they had found in upstate New York. Um, Money got pulled out of the budget. And the director, I know his agency really didn't want this for him. They wanted him to go make this biopic about uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh. They wanted him. They were really pressing him. He told me that. But he wanted to do the Starling. And so I think when they pulled the money out of the budget, he started to get a little concerned that he wasn't going to be able to make the movie he wanted to make. And this was going to be his first big English-speaking feature. And so he backed out, sent me, Isla, Keanu, a nice email explaining his reasons why. He was pulling out. uh, The producer, one of the producers who was on the film, not the producer who had the option, but one of the producers on the film is named Dylan Sellers. He's the one who actually helped with putting Keanu together as well. And um, Dylan was not happy, of course, that this happened, but... um, so I don't know how much I can get into that fractured <laughs> relationship stuff, but uh, who cares? Who gives a shit? I mean, who cares? Let me say. So anyway, um, so that was what 2016, 2017, right? Yeah, right and it was heartbreaking. Because it was. It was, so it was close. like
1: you were you were texting me going like, you know, uh, I'm I'm putting scene numbers on the script. Oh yeah. You know, you were like so so excited, and yeah. it was going to happen, and then it all just went poop.
0: Well, the the director came out here with his wife and young kid Mm -hmm. from Helsinki and spent about two weeks. They even had dinner at our house. We hung out. We worked every day on the script. We went through every single scene. We rewrote stuff. We uh, added scenes. And we made quite a few changes, to be honest with you. Um, Not all that I really wanted, but he wanted some more visuals. So I gave him some more visuals, and um, anyway, uh, it all fell apart, right? And so the producer, Dylan, went to a different production company. He actually went to Harvey Weinstein's company right, I mean, right before all the stuff happened. Oh, my God. I'm literally, like, Pilar, like a month before he went to the Weinstein company to become head of production. Okay. Yeah, I know. It was a bad luck deal for him. But it was okay because he's a producer who's landed on his feet many times, and he did. So no contact interaction with any of those characters. Um, You know, Tolkien got made. Mm -hmm. I went to go see the premiere. He invited me to the premiere. And, um, you know, I I had a feeling like he was going to come back into the picture. Uh Like I think he had sent me a couple emails, you know, asking me what the status was of the starling and so forth. And then, if you go way, way back a little bit more, about, oh, let's just take a guess, six years ago, this producer, Dylan, had worked with Ted Melfi on St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. And when they were looking for a filmmaker, they he gave, he was given the starling by the guy who had the option on it. And so they gave it to Ted Murphy and Ted Murphy was like, this is my next movie. I want to do this movie. I really want to do this movie. And it wasn't actually six years ago. This is more like four or five years ago. And, um, it, I was really excited. That was one of the few times I really kind of let myself get excited because, mm-hmm. you know, you have but, to protect yourself. I'm you so know? lucky.
1: I've gotten emails and texts from yeah, like every single new yeah. director. of like, oh, Ted Melvie, I love him. I love St. Vincent. So at the time, it was like, that's a perfect kind yeah. of person, yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think he even left another project. So like, he was that behind it. But lo and behold, it was at a time... And we could look this up right now because we can find it in the trades when he was being mentioned as one of the writer directors for the reboot of uh, Spider-Man. And so he was up for that job with a few others. And I think he actually then got offered from Disney the Hidden Figures Project. And he walked away from everything to go do that, which is a good move, actually, because he really made a nice film. And so that went away. You know, so I was always wondering, like, whatever happened with Melfi, you know, I wonder if he'd ever be interested, but you know how it is. Right. So I hadn't actually thought of him <laughs> in a while. I work I work on a TV show, as you mentioned, Ridiculousness. I we, didn't mention it. Oh, you
1: didn't? Um, so, so Matt Harris is also a showrunner for Ridiculousness, if anybody has ever seen it. And that is on MTV and CTV. It's very hard not to see it. It's everywhere. It's on its 16th season. And Matt has been the showrunner for 200 episodes. I was just thinking this is kind of like... It's like you're a superhero. Like you've got your... Like, did anybody ridiculousness know that you also wrote this, like, highbrow no. <laughs> movie no, that's going to have Kevin I Klein in it?
0: <laughs> I take that back. When the Keanu Reeves thing came out, the news, it was, like, on deadline and mm-hmm. a couple of other trades. Yeah. Somebody saw it. Uh-huh. And word went around. They're like, dude, is this you? <laughs> you know, because, like, we know you won a nickel fellowship, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, it's me, you know. We'll see what happens. It was, you know, again, yeah. because... You know, as my wife will tell you, I've really come to believe, like, I will believe it when I see it. I have Mm -hmm. allowed myself, and I don't mean to sound like I'm jaded, but you just really have to believe.
1: Well, 17 years of stops and starts. We didn't even mention John Lee Hancock, who was also attached twice because yes. twice, 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 you know, yeah. it's like a, like, like a, you know, an ex-boyfriend showing up right. and being like, I love you. I really love you. I'm really going to stay this time. You know, they, whoops. They made the blind a blindside. girlfriend. Right.
0: <laughs> he made the blind side with Gil Netter. That was the second time around when he came back into mm-hmm. the picture. They made the blind side. That movie did so well financially. Mm-hmm. And Gil asked John, like, what's the next movie you want to work on? Gil, this very successful producer. And uh, John's like, I'd really like to make this movie The Starling. And so Gil read it, and he's like, I would love to produce this movie. Let's do this together. And so, you know.
1: And Gil Netter had produced, um, what was that? Well,
0: he did, like, The Blind Side. He did, I mean, going way back, he did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He did, if you look him up on IMDb, the guy does, he's a real producer, right? Yeah, yeah. When I say that, and he even introduced, I mean, he's a great guy, very down to earth. But Gil will be the first one to tell you. He's like a real producer in the sense that, like, I make movies every year. I'm producing a movie. Mm-hmm. And so he did Life of Pi, which was a huge that's, movie. That yeah. was the movie I was thinking Yeah, of. yeah. No, he went off to do Life of Pi, in fact.
1: I love point. the fact that everybody's ditching you for these really good movies. They are good movies. So that's good. It's, it's yeah. almost like, you know what? If yeah. they'd made yours, that one wouldn't be made. And, you know, movie. Yeah. Has, it's, it's almost the butterfly effect. Like, right. you know, I, I don't know what
0: would have it happened. It was kind of fun because I was emailing Gil while he was in. I think it was in Hong Kong or Taiwan. Actually, I think it was Taiwan when they were shooting a lot of the scenes for Life of Pi. This, he says it's the most unbelievable set you've ever seen, this water tank that they had and um, the green screen that they were doing. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. So then, yeah, it came and went. And so Dylan Sellers, Dylan, who had been a producer on it when it was with County Reeves and Anna Fisher, Dylan Sellers calls me. So I'm doing Ridiculousness. Right. Fast forward to May of 2018. and Excuse me. What am I saying? In 2019.
1: That's right. It was just this past May.
0: Yes. So it's May and I get a call. I'm leaving the set of Ridiculousness. And we shoot like every 10 weeks. We have a set over in Van Nuys, this little stage where we shoot with a live audience. And when we shoot, we shoot for like five weeks at a time. And... I uh, shoot three shows a day. We really crank. And um, I'm usually out of there by like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I have to head back to our offices in Glendale, you know, because still working, right? So it's like an hour commute. And so the reason I'm telling you this is because it's kind of funny how everything came together in an hour. Um, I get in my car, and I see there's a missed call from Dylan Sellers. And I'm thinking, ah, this is, you know, probably a butt dial. I really think it's a mistake, <laughs> you know, because actually there were two calls. Yeah. And so they didn't leave a voicemail message either time. I'm like, oh, his thumb must have slipped or something, you know. So I went ahead and I, um, I called him back while I was on the road. And he answered and he's like, hey, what's going on? You know, how you been? And so he did call me and he's like, I'm just wondering, does um, so-and-so still have the option on your script? And I said, no. And he said, "I well, actually, first before that, he goes, you know, I got a call from Ted Melfi. And if you're up to speed on the news, when Disney bought Fox, a lot of the movies that were set and ready to go at Fox got capped by Disney. And he had a movie set to go, a movie he had written called Fruit Loops with Woody Harrelson set to star. Um, so it was going to be written and directed by Ted. And... Um, it was Disney came in and said, "Yeah, no, you're not making that one." Wow, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's really crazy. There a lot of them. So Ted was going to have to reset that up somewhere else. And in the meantime, he called Dylan to check on the status of my script. So Dylan called me and he's like, "Ted called. What's the status of your script?" And I said, "Well, as a matter of fact, it lapsed. The option did, you know, last uh, September. So it's available." And He goes, "Hmm." Hang on real quick. Let me call you right back. So I was on the 101-405 when I made that call. By the time I got to the 101-134 split, uh, we're back on the phone. And he says, Ted wants to make this movie. He has to get it made before, um, like, September or, no, October or something like that. I can't remember. He's like, you got a deadline. Are you ready to go? Can we do this? And I'm like... (sighs) yeah, okay, let's do this, let's talk. And so we set a meeting for lunch, I think the next day. I met Ted and Dylan, we sat and we talked. Dylan, the great thing is about Dylan and the company he's at, Limelight, is he has the financial backing to make quite a few films, and certainly a film like this at a lower budget. And so he's like, I got the money, and uh, Ted had a really good working relationship, obviously, with Melissa McCarthy, Bill Murray, Chris O'Dowd from when he did St. Vincent. Um, So he wanted to take it to Melissa McCarthy. It was Dylan Sellers' idea, the producer, to make it more attractive to her. She read it. She read it over the weekend. She said she was interested in doing it. Dylan said, what if we switch to sexes? Make it even more appealing, like a lead role for her.
1: I think at this point you need to tell everybody okay. what it's about. God oh, damn it! And I'm terrible bit. And that you know way, this. when we talk about the gender reversal, people understand how how big this is, but also just like what, how easy it was too, which I loved. I mean, it's easy for me to say, but it, it, when you get your head around it. It really, really works. So tell everybody what it was originally about, and then okay. and then what what happened. You better. can
0: probably do a better job of that than me.
1: I don't know. I
0: don't. I'm terrible at pitching. someday you should have me on here, and I can tell you about the horrible mistakes I've made in pitches before. Uh, I don't know what it is. Should I try?
1: Like do you want me to try? Sure. Go for okay, it. Okay. So in the original script, uh, we have a a, a man who is trying to bury the memory of a tragedy right. okay, by gardening. And his wife has been institutionalized because she is is taking the tragedy in that way. Right. He's trying to heal by gardening. The problem is he keeps getting dive-bombed by a starling.
0: Right, a territorial and bird.
1: He ends up going to a veterinarian for help about the starling. Right. But the veterinarian ends up giving him... Uh, psychological advice, right, and so the veterinarian ends up helping heal this guy, right. and the guy also helps heal the veterinarian to some extent too. They end up in, with right. a strange bond, all because of being do- dive bombed by a bird.
0: Exactly right? right, and
1: we're not going to tell you what the what the tragedy is, it, but it, it it is you know it does come out in in the right. in the movie. But I don't know that was probably a bad a no, bad I pitch, like but it. that's pretty I much like it. W-
0: and it doesn't sound very light, but it is actually quite it's it's more of a comedy.
1: It's it's very quirky. It, it is, is very yeah. quirky. It depends on who's directing it, reading it, or going yeah. to star in it. Right. And I always wanted it to have more of a comedic thing. Like when definitely, in that five right. minutes we were, we were talking, talking about it, now. we were like, I was like, you Chris got Pratt, it. right. It was and uh, also um, Matt. Um, oh shit. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like losing, wait, yeah. I'm just losing my words. <laughs> I won't go into the whole thing. But but like we we uh uh had, you know, all comedy cast, right? right. It really depends on whose eyes look yeah. at it. Yeah. So I have to be honest with you, I'm really glad it has this cast. But, you know, the guy is is gardening, he's the person who's really right. the lead. The woman is institutionalized, we go to her from time to time, but it is his movie. Right. So now, yeah. it's a woman who is trying to deal with this tragedy by gardening. And it's yeah. the man. He was, now, did you have him coming? Is he in rehab or something like that? Yeah,
0: okay. So, the very Ted called me uh-huh. with this note. Mm-hmm. And he says, all I want you to do, well, I won't use the F word because I can't, <laughs> but he goes, all I want you to do is change the names. Mm-hmm. Literally go into your script, create yep. a version where you do a name swap. And I'm like, well, I'm going to at least do the pronouns too, <laughs> you know. So I did that, and that was just to, to, so we could all look at it and see is this even going to make sense. And my first initial reaction, I've lived with this story for a very long time to the point where I even had a hard time revisiting it, right? Because I felt like I couldn't bring anything new to this. You know, it was hard for me to look at it with fresh eyes. When I changed those two characters, it became, for me, a different movie. And it was like suddenly this dormant story was brought to life again. And for me, I became very excited about it Um, for a number of reasons. Uh, For me, as a quote-unquote writer, I found myself looking at the the female character that I had written, Lily, when I made Lily Jack... I was writing in some cliches and doing some things that I hadn't realized that I had done when writing a female character. The f- the fragility of her? Yeah, and sort of the, you know, uh, oh, this sounds terrible, but to say, like, without giving explanation to some of her her emotions, it's almost as like, I don't want to say that I did this, but it was almost as if I was like, but that's what a woman would do. Uh-huh. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. And... and f- Oh man, did it call into question so many things, so many assumptions, so much so that I feel like there's probably a practice to be done if you're writing the female character, to where you go, okay, now I'm going to name this female character. Well, I'm going to leave a female character, but I'm going to name her Bill, mm-hmm. and I'm going to reread this mm-hmm. as a man, you know, and what traits am I giving that person that aren't really real and full, you know, and three dimensional?
1: It's an easy rewrite. I've been. Yeah. Sug- in my rewrite class it's one of the things I make people do is just imagine that the character is a different gender just for a hot second for sure you know now are they like is your female character taking more action is your Mm -hmm. male character asking for help like if you just change the genders for just five seconds it's a quick rewrite and it will make your characters more interesting
0: it certainly did in this case yeah so then the fun part began when um everybody became i was so skeptical i gotta be honest with you in the beginning i was just like oh hell what are we doing because this thing was moving so fast right i mean in that short week i was already starting to get my liar was like hey i'm getting contracts what's going on (laughs) you know and then i go like It was all happening so fast, and then I was. Can
1: I say you texted me? I was so excited. Oh of course I did. Matt Matt immediately texts, and he goes, "They want me to change the genders. Will this work? You know?" And I was like, "Yeah, right. Let's do it." You know, I was just so happy to be like part of that process. Like from the very, I was like, "Yay, he's he's for those who
0: don't know." I look at Pilar very much as uh, first, obviously a friend, someone I admire, but somebody who I definitely lean on. As a mentor, as somebody whose opinion I trust is true, I don't have anybody else. sounds <laughs> sad, isn't it? No, but I mean, I really was like, if Pilar says, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, talk to me more about this idea. Why would you do that? Then I would have put the brakes on it and talk to you first about it but it was just like i just needed to hear you go yeah of course do that you mm-hmm. know even though i knew it was right yeah you know even though i knew this is interesting and but i just wanted to i just needed somebody to tell me yeah go right You know. right
1: it's just helpful sometimes right. to, to do that uh that that's so cool okay so we were back to i had to like Make it about myself for a second. Okay. Yeah, I so, did. yeah. Don.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, getting back <laughs> to the actual script. So, you, you did this work on it. And yeah. then how long? So, so And, and you know, changed up some things beyond just the pronouns. I got
0: rid of everything I had done for the Keanu Reeves and Isla Fisher characters. I had written these extra scenes. It was cool. I had actually written this one set piece that I kind of liked where every time the a uh, spouse was driving back and forth from this little town to the city where the hospital, the psychiatric hospital was. <clears throat> you saw a, a farm. You passed a farm that was slowly slipping into disrepair. And you saw it where it was slowly overtaken by, like, these groundhogs over time. Not the whole farm, sorry, a piece of farm equipment that had been stranded. And it was kind of, it, it worked metaphorically in the film um, that this guy wanted to make. Uh, so, I, but I got rid of all that stuff. So that was one of the first things I did. Change the genders, and then we really went to work on talking about characters and motivations and getting things down. Like it, it suddenly became so freaking real, right? So where you get a little bit nervous. Like there was stuff that I had written that I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll write this. It was not that it was filler, but it wasn't stuff that I necessarily thought was going to stay in a movie. You know, it was kind of like this would be fun this is a fun way to get from a to c let's write b but um now it was becoming real and they were (laughs) scenes were getting numbered people were being cast and i was like oh boy let's look at this again real quick and um and certain things people were like yeah no we love that yeah no that's great we're doing that it's like okay um you know, a kid who gets busted masturbating in a walk-in refrigerator in a grocery store. That was, was always
1: like, the Tuesday night group's favorite scene. They loved scene. that scene, didn't they? Yes. With yeah. the Land O'Lakes yeah, like Butter, of the Lakes Butter Girl.
0: Girl. <laughs> it was like... Those are, you know, it's so funny. Remember all those years ago when you invited me to that group? That was the first script that I brought into that group because I'd already written the Western. That's how right. you knew me.
1: Right, right, um, and that one, that one won the nickel, and that so one then won the nickel you and had to create more right. content. And yeah. for anybody who's ever taken my class, the two pages that I give out in the first draft class to, to sort of show what a, script, a good script sort of looks like, is written by Matt. It is not either any of these scripts that we're talking oh, about. It? It's Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Oh, it's yeah. the horror movie, which I love. Right. Yeah. I love. Yeah. yeah. There's all yeah, this content. Available. Yeah, all this content. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's another thing, too, is um, you know, now that this is being made, right. all of that other content that you did, and you have, I think, four really excellent scripts yeah. ready to go. Yeah, you know, well. um,
0: I love it that you're saying that. You but, do.
1: I know that, again, yeah. I wouldn't...
0: I feel really lucky, you know, in a lot of ways, Pilar, I'll be honest with you, because at this day and age, I think it's much easier to get something made. And when I say that, I mean, there's, there's always been competition, right? But there's a lot of competition for material today. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from a lot of different sources. I don't know how long we can rely on this golden age of streaming, you know, where Apple Plus and... Prime, uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix, so many people are making things, right? Yeah. Um, it's my hope that some of the stuff that I've written in the past will, now that I've sort of gotten the recognition or at least the acknowledgement that, like, this guy kind of knows what he's doing. He obviously wrote a screenplay that they decided to make into a movie, that they'll, you know, somebody will come along and take a chance on some of this other stuff. I hope so. It'd be great, you can, know. But I'm we? not quitting my day job at the uh, Ridiculousness. <laughs> Every Friday night, 8 o'clock.
1: <laughs> so, so I, I kind of want to get back to that for sure. for just a second before we go on to talk. I'm
0: all over the map, talk aren't about, I?
1: about, about no, I, I'm the one throwing us out. But Let me have m- one of your waters. Of, moon you're moon not of, drinking
0: any water. Oh. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're my husband you on it.
1: All right. That's, that's what he said. <laughs> that's Woo!
0: A, can't say that. Yeah, go I, back. I take can, that out. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: not the F word. <laughs> I, okay. So uh, Moon of Popping Trees, the first one that won the nickel. Right does have interest from somebody. Can we say who it has interest from? Yeah, no, it's
0: got a director attached. It's Walter Hill's been attached for a while. Walter
1: Hill. Tell everybody Walter Hill,
0: like, uh, ask your parents about a movie called 48... What's it called? Uh, 48 Hours, right? The big, Mm -hmm. big movie in the 80s with uh, Nick Nolte and Mm -hmm. uh, Eddie Murphy. Walter Hill directed that movie. He also directed a great Western called The Long Riders, which I've always loved um, about Jesse James and his gang. And... um, he did a lot of experimental stuff with violence in that film, slow motion and audio uh, that Quentin Tarantino points to as one of you know his biggest influences. So uh, Walter wants to make one more Western, and uh, the script got to him. And so it's got Christoph Waltz, uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe, and now uh, Rami Malek, it looks like. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's really real yet, you know, because I talked to this one producer about it, the guy who, and everything seems like, oh, it's happening. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> we've been having that conversation yeah, exactly. for like three years. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We've got it. It's going. It's going. It's like, oh, really? Okay.
1: Well, I think at this point now... So, okay 17 years so, you know who knows who knows maybe they, this
0: is what is meant to be for so me to this, wait this time yeah
1: so like this has been going on for three it might yeah. take another right. like 14 you're gonna be right. hobbling up for that academy Did award I
0: tell you that walter wanted to rewrite the ending of it though yes and like we we were gonna work together and then he said no just let me do it and so they actually paid walter and Uh, I'm like, you guys going to take my name off the screenplay? So it will be a movie written by Matt Harris and Walter Hill. So I'm sharing writing credit on that. There are worse things. He didn't want to kill the main character at the end. He's like, what is this guy doing killing off his main character? Does he know nothing? You don't kill your main character at the end of a movie. And I'm like, look. I don't, you know. I disagree,
1: but but let's see when it gets made. This thing
0: was collecting digital dust. Right. You know.
1: Exactly. So, So, okay, now we'll jump back to production. Okay. So there you are on production of the movie. And they let you, first of all, they welcomed you on the set. Uh,
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure about that, um, how that was going to go. They were very nice, they were very inviting. And I think I proved that I wasn't too big of a freak. It's kind of funny. Um, They began production over here in Reseda, there's a John's grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went out there like the day before I'm like, I want to go see if there's any trucks or anything out there. Cause I'd gotten the call sheet, the schedule of shooting production. And so I'm driving around and I see some production trucks and just like two big ones, just in front of the store coned off with a security guard. And, uh, I'm like, check it out. I can't believe it, you know? And then Molly and I (laughs) drove around the back, and it was like, holy hell. There was like a bunch of star wagons and lots of production trucks, and that's when I just... About lost it, but like I didn't even get over to the set that first day. I went over like the fourth day, maybe. But Molly went shopping at Vaughn's every day. <laughs> I mean, that, that job. She went walking around, but we walked through the store. I walked in, and she took pictures. And it had like it was called Wally's was the mm-hmm. name of the yeah. grocery store, but they had big Wally's signs, you know. And uh, it was it was really like, it was mind blowing when you start to see something that you've written come to life when you finally get out on set and you're listening to what's being said and the words that you wrote. And it's, it's remarkable. It's it, for me, um, it was pathologically insecure to begin with. It was terrifying. Um, you know, it's like when I won the nickel, I was like, God, you know, and I went up there to accept it. And I was sort of like, I don't really have much to say cause I'm afraid somebody's going to come up and say, sorry, we made a mistake. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, I've always had that kind of inherent fear that like somebody's gonna, you know, pull back the curtain and realize this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. You know? Um. But you know, being out there on set, there were like a few times when things really came together, and I was watching it, and they were funny, and I saw people, you know, who were working on the film like trying to stifle a laugh, and there was one very emotional scene that I had written in our class um, where um, the husband and wife are on the grounds of the hospital. And um, it's where she goes, where he originally said, I got rid of all her stuff. And and the wife was like, what? What, what, what do you mean? And he goes, I didn't know what to do, you know. I didn't, wasn't sure. And, and it was really powerful. And so... I was out there one afternoon when they were shooting that scene on those grounds. Didn't know what scene they were shooting, but I figured it out when they started talking, obviously. And, um, man, I was like, do not cry, you know, telling myself. Because there's something else different, Pilar, and I know I'm all over the map, but when you're watching something, okay, I can watch a scene being shot, I can see the two people in the booms and everything, or I can watch it on the monitor and see what it looks like framed like a piece of film. Yeah. And when you start watching it like that, things change. Our experience with film, when we're watching real life versus that, everything changes, you know? It really does. And I was watching it. And we had this wonderful cinematographer, the same guy who just did The Joker. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so they were shooting on film, too. And it would just, it just blew me away watching. So I was like, watch it. And I had these headphones on them so I could hear them and, I was like, oh, shit. I'm mean, like starting to water. My eyes are starting to water. and uh, But then I looked around, and everybody was letting loose. Aww. It was like women, men were like wiping tears. And that's their. your writing. Yeah, and it was really powerful. And the delivery of it by Chris O'Dowd was heartbreaking. This guy is so good. Yeah. And I just, and Melissa McCarthy, so good. So like you hear it, and you, you picture it in your head, right? There's that movie that you see first, and then there's that movie that you write, right? And then now you're watching this movie that's actually being made. And there are three different movies, you know? Because I never feel like I I get exactly what I have in my head onto paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you do as well as you can, right? right? You try to capture that feeling or whatever it is you want them to say and do, and you hope that who's ever interpreting kind of gets it too. But... Oh, man, it was better than I could have ever imagined, and it was, yeah, really, it made me feel so good about uh, the whole experience of it, and that's when I felt like 17 years is nothing. I would wait 17 more to feel that way again to see that come to life. Now, whether or not it's going to play well when it's got a score underneath it, who knows, maybe they'll blow it with the music, who knows, you never know. Uh, <laughs> don't you know, blow
1: it with the music, people. Don't blow people. it with the music. Come you know?
0: on. But you and I both know that kind of thing can happen. Sure. You know, um, you know so much dictates changes to films, too. You know, locations. Right. Dictate certain changes, and... Um, there's also the sentimentality, I feel like, of the, the, the director, you know, because it really does become their movie. Right. It really does. Um, when I say the sentimentality, I'm not trying to say it in a pejorative way. It's like whatever that sentiment is, whatever they're bringing to it, do they want to make it flat and dark, you know, do they want to edge it up, or do they want to make it richer and, you know, more emotional, and that would involve, obviously, the, the soundtrack, you know, the score, or whatever, and... Uh, so we'll see. You know, I get to see a cut, I think. They've been saying, they've called me twice and saying it's going to be in a few weeks. Because I, I guess, per the WGA, you get to watch the cut. That's cool. And give notes, not that they have to do them, but right. it's part of the agreement.
1: Ah. Yeah. And do they have a day that they're shooting for as far as actually releasing the movie?
0: Um. Well, I think ultimately that's going to be in the hands of the distributor, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever comes on to distribute the film. There's... Ted has been saying it'll come out in the fall of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know it'll be ready for festivals in the spring. So, you know, and I'm assuming they're going to want to put it in festivals and look for distributors if they don't find one ahead of time. Right. I've heard little snippets coming out of posts that are very encouraging. You know, um... So yeah, we'll see.
1: Emily McCarthy um came up to you at the rap party yeah. and said it was your words that yeah, really made her want to so, do this, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. She also said to me, uh, this is <laughs> don't you take this the wrong way. She said to me, she looked she actually pulled me aside and she goes, Don't ever let anybody tell you what to write. Oh yeah. That's a so wonderful Yeah, it was wonderful. And you know, she is so smart. Um of course she is because she likes my stuff, right? No, I mean it really. She's so good. She is a really an amazing actress, actor. You yeah. know, she really is. If, I mean, to watch her work, uh, to watch her and Chris O'Dowd work, mm-hmm. I was, so, man, was I impressed. Really impressed. And if
1: you, if, if you haven't seen, is it, Can You Ever Forgive Me?, Yes. Will you ever forgive me? Can you, Can ever, you ever forgive me? It's so good. <laughs> the movie itself is terrific. It is. It's terrific. And and But just her sort of, her understated yeah.
0: performance. And her you know, and Richard yeah. Grant, how good were they together, yeah. right? He's yeah. so good. Yeah. But she's terrific in that movie. She's been doing it for a long time when you think about it, because mm-hmm. I know this now because uh, my daughters, and of course, and my wife love watching the Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> she looks, you know, like 18 years old. But... Um, no, she, you know, I think she can easily get pigeonholed as that comedic actress, and she's wonderful at it, right, Yeah, comedy. She's got such a broad range, but boy, what heart she brought to this. And, excuse me, I mean, she told me, like, a story how she was reading the scene, and uh, she it was early call time, 7 a.m. out in Calabasas, and she was... Uh, she lives, I think in Toluca Lake. And so she was out in one morning, like six o'clock in the morning, reading on her porch, just having coffee and reading that day's script. And, um, her husband came out and, uh, he says, are you okay? And she was just crying. And she goes like, Oh no, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. She goes like, this, this script has so much, so many emotional moments in it that you, you know, you just yeah. kind of take it for granted. And, um, but, she said something too very complimentary I feel like and it again goes back to the execution of the movie that it's there are some moments where there's it touches on uh, some sadness right Um, almost impenetrable sadness really Uh, but that's what some sadness is right Mm -hmm. it really isn't meant to be touched or you know made sense of but it's offset by these what i felt like were lighter moments that come out of our our natural life and not they're not artifice they're not set pieces designed to make you laugh you know it's not like somebody's stepping on a rake you know but it's um i think and she she saw that she goes there is comedy but she goes it's not it's comedy that comes out of everyday life it's conflict that we might have with somebody and how we speak to that person you mm-hmm. know and um those are the moments and so i hope i hope that comes out you know you you can't tell when you're watching something being shot and you're watching you know the last scene of the film being shot you know when the one of the first days or something like that you know what i mean it's so hard to know um <laughs> i showed up on set and M- Melissa McCarthy had like this kind of reddish mark on her forehead and I was like, oh jeez why didn't they cover that up with makeup you know, and it looks like they tried to a little bit and I was like, Ugh. I wonder what happened I hope she's okay <laughs> she, I didn't realize it was after the bird had attacked her <laughs> I'm, like, looking. I'm you like, wrote it. I'm, like, talking to her about it. I'm
1: like, <laughs> hey, what happened? Oh, yeah, this bird just dive-bombed me yeah. while I, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was one of those moments.
1: I, I told you, I think I may have sent you a picture, that I started, the, the studio started getting harassed by this bird. Yes. Um, it may have been right after I got the news from you. I mean, it was freakish. It would not go away. Isn't that so it fun? would peck at that window, and it was one bird. It wouldn't go away. It was here for... Months. Yeah, It was hilarious. That's great. I don't know if it was a starling, but it was Probably a little... Probably
0: was. They are pesky little bastards. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I thought, okay, well, yeah. I'm not the most spiritual person in the world, but <laughs> I something. get it. Okay. <laughs> right, right. My goodness. I am so proud and so happy that this has been set up and not set up, has been made. And I can't wait to see the movie.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun, right? We're going to have to go. Oh yeah, but
1: yeah, duh! Yeah. No, you got to pay
0: full price though. I know. I get a little bit of something. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. Kidding. I can't even go to that. I'm just no. going to be like, no. no I think uh, the whole Tuesday night group is going to. Yeah, is, let's all First and together. foremost,
0: let's hope it makes it into a theater, right? Yeah. Let's yep, do yep. that. Let's okay. hope it gets there. Okay. You know, or well, right. we can get together and watch it on Netflix or some streaming channel if that's what it happens.
1: If that's what happens, if fine. If what happens,
0: that's what happens Look, because these I'm movies just are really, also
1: up for Academy Awards. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true too, right? yeah. And look, I'm not in it for anything else. I feel, uh, Pilar, it, it's indescribable every day that I drove that I was able to make it to the set, you know? Because remember when I told you we were shooting Ridiculousness when I first got the call in May? Yeah. We were shooting it again in August, a new season when the film started shooting. That's
1: the... So I was, like
0: being, I was like, some days I was able to get over and watch a couple scenes, some days I wasn't. Um, so I missed huge swaths of it. I did, but I kind of tried to get to particular locations at different times and see certain things like see Kevin Klein. <gasps> I really want to see him. Oh my God. Um, I was just delighted. I mean, they, the thing I wanted to bring you today was as I was, I was really watching the work of Ted Melfi, you know, and how he directed and how they managed to get what they got done in a day. And, um, he has this big board with his storyboards cut out, you know, on the on this big white poster board. He like literally tapes them on there. And he carries that thing around with a red Sharpie attached to it, and he just scratches out a scene when he's done. He scratches out the shots that he got, you know, and looks at what he wants to move on to next. Um and so we started talking about that process and storyboarding. When do you start doing that? When do you start scanning locations and just kind of getting my head around it, let's face it, I mean, for me, I never went to film school, it's been a big mystery, like, I would never, people have asked me, why don't you ever direct it, and I'm like, trust me, I wouldn't know the first thing, not that Ted made it look easy, but he definitely, I witnessed and was able to sort of learn a little bit more about the formula that goes into it, you know, of directing, and I'm not talking necessarily about the talent and working with the talent, but the actual production of it, and uh, it, was, it was really interesting. So he gave me this book because I was asking him a lot about storyboards. He gave me this book at the end, and it's just kind of like a notebook, but it's every scene in its storyboard. It's <gasps> just a storyboard, it seems. It's of your? Of my movie. Again. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so what do you do with storyboards? Like, you might see a cutout picture from Deer Hunter. Yeah, you might see something, Just but it's like for him – It was kind of an image and maybe emotion and a feeling that he was looking for to go with that. Oh, that's really cool. You know, so, um, that's what we had, you know, and so he gave me that book at the end. It's really cool. And I know I feel bad. I wanted to bring you that so you can see I I will definitely bring it to you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's pretty cool because they shot the movie I wrote, you know, and at the end of the day, I was like, there were a couple of times I'm like, what are we shooting next? And They'd be like, oh, these kids, it's a shot. Like, they we're, we're going to shoot this scene, right? Uh, they had kids out there on these grounds, uh, like near these woods. And they had a big drone, right? And they were setting up the shot. And it seemed like it was taking a long time. It was hot out there. And they were teaching these kids how to use a slingshot. <laughs> so I'm going, somebody wrote another scene, you know, because mm. I didn't write this. And uh, I go, what are we shooting? I asked the AD. She goes, you know that shot in the very opening montage where the bird's trying to escape? Because I wrote a chase scene if you remember at yes, the beginning of the movie. Yeah. This bird grabs a wrapper and he's trying to make yeah. it back to its nest. And he's just, you know, nearly hit by a car. And there's a couple of sparrows try to <laughs> yes, take, you know, so anyway, he's diving around and he comes in a park where two kids have a slingshot and they try to shoot him with a marble. And that's what that was. Ah. They were shooting that part of the montage of the opening. And I'd forgotten about it. And I was like, oh, man. I almost want to say, oh, you don't have to shoot that. I just kind of wrote that. I thought it was a fun part of the place. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a lot of work. Yeah. Let me write in something easier yeah. for you. But
0: I was like, so that's very humbling, right? You know, yeah. When they go to that extent to make to sure that make they sure were every true detail. to the story. Right. Yeah. Holy yeah. cats. I know. Holy cats, right? Wow. So um, there was a lot of moments like that for me, you know? That is yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to think of when we're going to have you on again because you know yeah, number know, two, huh? number three hundred. Now it's made. You know it'll have to be after the Oscars, I would yeah, imagine. The Oscars, right?
0: Well, they're trying to get into some film festivals, which mm-hmm. would be great. I hope it gets. You know, it's one of those things. You know, I hope like we're not sitting here a year from now going. What do you think happened to that movie? <laughs> like, where did it? I know. We're not saying it's bad, Matt, but well, where do you think it kind of went the way it did?
1: You know, yeah. every once in a while somebody would say, like, I listened to episode 300. I remember what a big deal that was. What happened to that? And I'd yeah. be like, I, you know, John Lee Hancock was yeah. going to make it and then didn't. And yeah. I, you know, and I, like, happily, you know, but it, it's so funny because it's sort of like, God, I hope this thing gets made because yeah. we have been talking about it so <laughs> I much.
0: know, so much. <laughs> You know, it's so funny, too. It's like some of the different <laughs> actors I remember being interested in it and that they were after and going out to. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Mike DeLuca? Luca? Yeah, Do you remember Tim Robbins. Do you remember yes. the whole Tim Robbins? Do well,
1: you, Tim th- Robbins had a cast. Yes, Tim Robbins. So, so we're in the Tuesday group, <laughs> and Matt goes, "CAA wants me to go with this with John Lee Hancock, but Tim Robbins wants to make it right now." And we're like, "Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins," because at the time Yeah, had Bill Murray,
0: Kate Winslet, yeah, and uh, we were like, "Christopher Walken,
1: are you an idiot?" Susan Sarandon, Do, Tim Robbins, and we're like, you didn't," and we're all like, "And, Scott, and the Tuesday Scott group never forget. Oh my God, <laughs> none of those guys." Ever, ever they they just kept rubbing salt in the wound forever. Scott was right. Scott, was right. <laughs> Scott yes, um, and no. I think the next time that you're going to be on is going to be talking about another movie that will be made. I hope, yeah. I hope maybe, maybe so the maybe, western. That would yeah. be really
0: fun because, just so you know, uh, I learned a lot about screenwriting from Pilar. Thank you. How to write a screenplay to begin with. Number one, <laughs> uh, and. I don't know if this sounds right. Not shortcuts per se, but like not so obvious techniques, mm-hmm. right? Things that you showed me. Answering certain questions, getting me to certain places. You made me write the ending of my movie, and I fought that so hard. Now I don't want to write anything unless I kind of know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Cause I have to have a destination, right? I really do. I don't know how you do it. I love it when I hear people go, "I'm just going to discover it along the way." <laughs> I'm like, "How does that work?" I can see maybe in a novel. God, don't you have to write to something? Right, because you could know? just just end up, you know. And it it
1: it doesn't have to be every single detail of it no how you get there may be something that you discover right? right but the fact that you need to get there and maybe there is one key moment that's triggered how you get there so at least you know what you're going toward yeah. and then those little things do sort of invent themselves yeah but yeah you need a plan just just a, a basic plan nothing something right which is, which is what we're about to do we're about to plan out another movie right
0: yeah I hope yeah, so you forgot why you're we'll here we'll talk about that right? no I know <laughs> we're gonna talk about
1: that <laughs> yeah Matt and I have a session after this yeah we do <laughs> Um, so everybody eventually look for the starling. Hopefully, it will right. be somewhere. Coming,
0: it's amazing to be able to say that, you know. It's yep. coming to a screen of some kind, <laughs> whether it be small or phone or. Movie and if screen. anybody,
1: if any producers are listening who are interested in uh, a really great, um, I'm going to pro- I'm promoting promoting your others. Um, a really great like Stephen King ask horror movie, mm-hmm. or a. Uh, Dickensian, probably the right word. I don't know. I don't know For what you would call that. It's a, know, a, a period piece. It's, um, a period piece it's about like a Captain's a... Courageous kind of movie. We've it's got one It's definitely an initiation two. story. Yes. Yeah. So those are the other two projects. Very adventurous. That do not have producers or directors yet. That's right. Um, you know, I'm. You know, you'd be very lucky to catch them at this point, especially because as Matt is about to. But no up. there yeah, you go. <laughs> um, where can people watch Ridiculousness? And, MTV. Yeah. MTV2.
0: CMT. I mean, it's everywhere. Everybody knows Ridiculousness. It's still fun, you know, because it's now it's been on long enough that it's kind of cross-generational and that people grew up watching it when they were teenagers now I have kids and some of those kids are watching it. Rob Dyrdek is like this... Uh, person who never gets old, you know, and he's always stays hip and he's just fun. And I think people like, it's just three people who are genuinely friends who sit around and they watch viral videos and that's what it is. Okay. It's a lot of fun.
1: All right. So ridiculousness, check that out. Also go to onthepage.tv, a reminder that November 16th and 17th is the rewrite weekend. And um, it's a lot of fun. What is that? It's it's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and it takes your... Your script, or mm-hmm. even even your outline through all these different writing passes. So we'll start with story and structure, and then we'll go in an activity mm. pass, character pass, dialogue pass, format and tone pass, so that you're looking at your project through the lens of these different elements oh. and deciding what your project needs, but also getting some tools and techniques that maybe you hadn't thought right. of before. Right. Shortcuts? I'm fine with that term.
0: You know? Do you still share that, that story sheet with people that you used to have that... You know the uh, the one that actually took you through all three acts, actually four. What you used to, divide yeah, like yeah, that yeah. One I still do all a, that. B.
1: Yeah, and so with a with a rewrite class, you know, there's a little revisiting of. You know, you know what are your act breaks, but I'm also right. very interested in are you making them as interesting as possible? Right. You know, are like like no playing it safe. Let's turn up the dial, right? And so that's what the the rewrite weekend is. I would love for you guys to come to it. There's a cute little hotel down the street if anybody's coming from out of town. And like I said, go to onthepage.tv and check it out. Thank you again to Matt Harris, my favorite writer, yeah, still my favorite I'm, writer. Now
0: I'm your favorite writer. <laughs> yeah, thank. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is always this is really fun to be able to talk to you about it anytime.
1: Thanks to all of you for listening and have a good writing week.